0: Thank you. So we need to keep this under an hour 40.
1: I think we can do that. Are you Maybe.
0: sure? Possibly.
1: <laughs> I will. I make no guarantees. Fuck you. <laughs>
0: I just realized how I can hear this fizzing and it's right next to the microphone. <laughs> My nitro vanilla Pepsi.
1: Hell yeah.
0: So what are we doing for the next hour and 40 minutes? Is it another episode of soon to be a major motion podcast? I sure hope so. Oh, cool. If it is, who are you?
1: I am your co-host, Cody Beck, and who are you?
0: I am your co-host, Billy Beck, and we are here to talk about movies that are based on books. And for as hungover as I am, nailed that shit.
1: <laughs> you did so well. It's much better than last time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's the trick. I need to get fucked up on rum <laughs> 24 hours before we record.
1: So, why did you get fucked up on rum? What did you do since we last recorded?
0: Got fucked up on rum. I I believe I (laughs) made that clear. Uh, My birthday is next week. As of time of recording. As of release, my birthday was last week. (laughs) So last night, we had a bunch of people from work and from the Man City crew and a few of your work friends that have become my friends over the years. And we all... uh, went over to the tiki bar down the street and we had a good time.
1: One of apparently several.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize there was another tiki bar on the street until I was walking past it and went oh no, (laughs) that might be a problem and sure enough, one of my buddies, one of the first couple people there texted me like what's the name of this place again? It's like yeah, there's another tiki bar that's not really a tiki bar it's the one that's a real tiki bar. He found us it's good but I, I had a really good time last night, and to everyone who came out, thank you sincerely for, for coming out and making the evening special. I haven't celebrated a birthday like with friends in four years, so that was, that was very nice. Cody, how have you been since we last recorded? Which was like a week ago, so.
1: <laughs> uh, no more trips to the ER, which is good uh nothing exciting or new to report same old same old read a book
0: oh you read a book Uh uh-huh that's interesting because i went to the movies and saw a movie today
1: yeah what movie did you see
0: trolls band together (laughs) no (laughs) did i watch the wrong movie yep you sure did fuck (laughs) every time of course (laughs) you read the title of the podcast
1: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the prequel story, A Hunger Games Novel by Suzanne Collins is the book that I read.
0: And I saw The Hunger Games, colon, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Is it a ballad or the ballad?
1: Is that really what they called it? Yeah. I didn't realize they prefaced it with The Hunger Games.
0: Oh, yeah, because otherwise people aren't going to see it. Because you have to tie it to a pre-existing IP.
1: I would have thought the Mockingjay symbol would have been enough.
0: You'd think. uh, It is the ballad. I've been calling it the wrong thing all day. Ah. Uh, i got to get my articles in order. (laughs) So, uh, you want to just listen to a trailer and get right into it?
1: Yeah, we might as well, because it's not going to end well.
0: (laughs) I am honored to introduce to you the creator of the Hunger Games themselves, Dean Kaska Highbottom.
1: I have summoned you all here for the 10th Annual Reaping Ceremony in which we choose two children from each district to fight to the death in the Hunger Games. From District 12, Lucy Gray Baird.
0: There has been a change this year. As a mentor, Mr. Snow, your role is to turn these children into spectacles, not survivors. What does my mentor do besides bring me roses? I do my best to take care of you. You really want to take care of me in that arena? Start by thinking I can actually win. I'm Lucky Flickerman. First ever host of The Hunger Games. Enjoy the show. Five. Enjoy the show. Three. Two. Enjoy the show. Run. Enjoy the show. What happens in there? Fueled with the terror of becoming prey. See how quickly we become predator? See how quickly civilization disappears?
1: There's a natural goodness built into us all.
0: We can step across that line into evil. Or not. boy. It's the sound of snow falling. How wonderful that we all get to be here for someone's final performance.
1: It's not just about winning. Everything is about winning. You monsters!
0: All of you! (laughs) The things we love most that destroy us. All right, let's get into it, Cody. Yep. I will let you do the plot summary because I. Just saw the movie a few hours ago, and it came out yesterday, and have not had time to write notes.
1: Perfect. Alright, so, The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes opens with Coriolanus Snow, a day or two before the reaping for the 10th Hunger Games. Question. Yes.
0: Do you get any of Young Snow before the end of the war?
1: No, that is all done in flashback or perspective.
0: Movie opens with one scene of Baby Snow and Baby Tigress uh, scavenging for food.
1: Oh, okay, uh, yes. Like
0: three years before the first Hunger Games, I think they say.
1: It isn't the cannibal scene, is it?
0: Where, like, the dude chops a leg off a guy to eat it? Yes. Yeah, it's that, and that's all we get a flashback.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so, yes, you do get that, but not in the opening. Okay. Yes. Horrors of war persist, etc. Snow is going to the Academy, or rather, he is waiting to go to the Academy because he's waiting for Tigris to come back with his shirt because they have no extra clothing and he's trying to keep up appearances uh, because the Snows were very rich and powerful prior to the war and are not now. He goes to the Academy and he is chosen to mentor a tribute in the upcoming 10th anniversary. Because the Capitol doesn't feel that uh, the Hunger Games are being handled correctly. So they feel that um, this will encourage more people to pay attention and have a stake in it, even in the Capitol with the students mentoring. So there are 24 students chosen. It's a selective thing.
0: So in the movie, they're chosen because of the Plinth Grant.
1: That is added much later in the book.
0: That's how we start out with the movie, where he thinks he's going to get that grant. Yes. Because he's got the highest grades. That's why he needs, like, his dad's suit. And I think Tigress makes, like, the buttons out of, like, bathroom tiles. Yes. And people can see through his disguise, but he still looks fucking clean.
1: People being Dean Highbottom.
0: Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> Some of the other students, uh, the one whose last name is Crane as well.
1: There is no Crane. Oh. Uh, I don't think so. There's
0: a Crane and there's a Heavensby.
1: Yes. Um, there is no Crane in the book. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah, there is a Crane.
0: She's the one who gets stabbed in the throat, right?
1: Uh, yeah, she gets her throat slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, Cranes do not fare well in these books.
0: I'm surprised that there's a... Further cranes down the lineage with how quickly they pass, <laughs> like they're pumping out cranes like rabbits over there. Yes, uh, but like I was saying, they. Uh, he thinks he's getting this grant, and the first scene at the academy is uh, high bottom explaining that the grant's not giving away based on grades this year. It's going to be because of the mentor system.
1: No, the grant is. Um After Plint's son's stunt, where he goes into the arena, which we will get to in a moment, uh, he uses that to buy the silence of the Academy.
0: Okay, that changes a lot of things then.
1: They're definitely, like, the whole point of the plints is that they are the new money. Like, this is just yeah. Reconstruction. This is just a fucking Civil War story oh, set in the South.
0: But what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, half of Snow's motivation through the first part, and uh, the first two parts of the movie, it's actually separated with title cards, parts one, two, and three. There are three parts okay. in the book as well. Uh, the mentor, the prize, and the peacekeeper. Is that what they're called or do they even have names?
1: They have names, but the names are different. Go ahead, I'll okay. pull them up. So later. anyway, like his
0: motivation through the first like two parts of this is based on that money. Like, and his assumption that he's going to receive that grant at the start. So that not even being a thing until later? There
1: are, there is a monetary reward, but it's based on grades. The Plinth Grant is separate. The Plinth Grant is specifically a full ride to the university for the winner of the Hunger Games.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. It sounds like they just kind of merged the two financial influences into one then.
1: It makes sense.
0: That clears it up. I was like, yeah. "How? why does he do anything then if that money's not there?
1: Yes, the money is there are two sources of money. You get multiple prizes based on your academic record, and you're eligible for different prizes. Okay. But the plinth grant is new, and that's thrown in, and that's one he really starts sinking his teeth in to try to win.
0: Okay. I get it then why they would do that for the movie.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, like, why are we, you have one big chunk of money that he can win. You don't have to have two separate chunks of money that he could have won. That's a little, that's too the, much.
1: The other thing is that because of uh, some behavior and Dean Highbottom not liking him, Dean Highbottom strongly implies he may not get a prize, which is why he starts fighting for the plinth prize, because it's above the school or outside of the school.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: This marks the first time that the games are going to have mentors assigned to the tributes. Despite uh, Coriolanus Snow uh, feels that he is disrespected by being given the female tribute from District 12, and he strongly suspects that Dean Highbottom, who does not like him for reasons he doesn't understand... Deliberately assigned it this way, especially because his rival, Livia Cardew, uh, gets, like, the District 1 male tribute.
0: Is she the Oh no, she's not the one who is, like, his class partner, is she? No. Okay.
1: No, that's a Clemencia. Okay. Yes.
0: There were so many characters with weird fucking Livia names. Livia
1: is, in the movie, I believe she's a blonde white girl. is the Asian girl.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. I can't remember. <laughs> I can barely remember Cornholio Anus's name. Like... <laughs> Was that not it?
1: Nope, it's close enough. All right. They all are watching the reapings. Because at this point, what's explained is that it's not... It's considered, like, mandatory viewing, but there's no way to enforce that. Um, And so, like, not... People in the capital aren't even paying attention to it anymore, so it's not having the desired effect. So they watch the reapings, and... Lucy Gray Baird is the tribute, the female tribute that is assigned to Snow, and she catches everyone's attention by first dropping a snake down the dress of a girl in the audience. Awesome. Uh, Standing up to the mayor, essentially, when he punches her in the face.
0: Like, she refuses help get up. Yes. Like, oh, it's great. Uh,
1: And then she also performs a song for the crowd of District 12 before she is hauled off to
0: And at the end of the song, like, she spears the camera and calls them assholes, it's... Yes. It's, like, a mix of Katniss once she got, like, confidence, and Joanna, what I assume she was like when she was reaped. Yes. It's fantastic. I fell in love with her so hard so fast.
1: She is a delight. He is determined to make a good impression because this will ensure that he's going—he's pretty sure he's going to get one of the monetary prizes, but him making a good impression and her having a good showing in the games will basically guarantee that he gets a prize. So he decides to meet her at the train station— which is where this starts to differ from accounts that we saw of the previous Hunger Games because they all of the tributes are together in a single train.
0: When you say the previous Hunger Games, you mean like the previous books and movies, right? Not yes. games one through nine. Correct. Okay.
1: Sorry. Yes. The the previous entries in the
0: series. The future. The future games. Future games. <laughs>
1: All of the tributes arrive in a literal livestock car. They have not been fed since they've been reaped. Snow basically get they are put in a cage uh, to be taken to a place where he thought they were basically sent to a hotel, similar to what happens later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, they are actually dumped in the Capitol Zoo, uh, where Coriolanus is uh, subject to the eyes of uh, all the other Capitol citizens.
0: So he like gets thrown in the same car with the tributes or he sneaks into the car with the tributes. Yes. And winds he, up at the zoo.
1: He gets in the car with the tributes. They try they all like start to try to attack him and Lucy Gray is like, don't. There's no point.
0: Because she recognizes there's an advantage here for her.
1: Correct. And so they go to the zoo, they have a little showing at the zoo where people start like identifying with Lucy Gray and he's like, perfect. This is this is my moment to shine. He starts feeding her, like visiting her in the zoo and sneaking food to her because the capital is not feeding them, uh, which is where he gets the betting idea.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And so the other main person that's important is uh, his cohort, Sejanus Plinth. Is that how it's pronounced in the movie?
0: I couldn't remember his first name. (laughs) Um, Okay. Because every time they said... I, I have a bit of a, an auditory processing issue, and a lot of times, it, it's why I struggle watching Shakespeare, mm-hmm. because names and words are, if I don't know them already, and their names or titles, I don't understand what they're saying half the time. And with his name, every time it came up, I had no idea what they were saying, and my brain just didn't grab it. Okay. Until I saw the name written down, and like, like, spoilers <laughs> after he dies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that his name? I'm just going to call him Plinth. That works. Because that I picked up, at least.
1: So, um, he's actually district. So Jonas Plinth came from district two. His father is new money, gained it basically from war profiteering because he was in munitions. Which is also where you find out that the Snow's fortune was tied up in the nuclear manufacturing of District 13, which is why they don't have money anymore.
0: Oh, that's not explained in the movie.
1: The reason they are now poor is because when District 13 defected, they lost their fortune.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That that was kind of left out because yeah. all we get of his family history really is that his dad is killed by a rebel. Yes. And his mom died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to have a sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. They never really explained why they're poor.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Or if they did, I missed it.
1: So he is, the struggle that Plinth is having is kind of the struggle that Katniss has, which is like, am I capital or am I district? And the really rough part with him is that he is assigned the district to tribute Marcus, who he went to school with.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was absolutely intentional.
1: Yes. Uh, it is actually uh, speculated by Coriolanus that it was a choice made by his father to further, like, he he basically bribed to get that spot so that it would be the way that he could actually separate himself from District 2. It's like, you are going to watch your friends die.
0: Yeah. Um, so, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is the book first person from Cornelius's... <laughs>
1: No, it is third person limited from his point of view. Okay, because so, the original
0: just, trilogy was first person from Katniss's. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Just
1: interesting that they went with that she went with third person for this.
0: I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, because he has given the idea of like showing up with his tribute and feeding her. Other tributes start doing. Other uh, mentors start doing the same. Uh, and so they actually open it up to capital citizens who come and start offering food to the tributes. And that's the point where Arachne Crane...
0: What a great name. <laughs> Arachne? Yes. I thought I misheard it the first time. No. Because I mishear every name when it's weird.
1: Uh, hold that in in your mind, because we're going to come back to that later with a theory that I have. Perfect. Um, Arachne Crane is taunting her tribute, Brandy, who I believe is the... Um, District 4 tribute. I actually have the list no, in front of she's me. not. Let me check. Because District 4
0: is coral.
1: Ah, uh, you are correct.
0: Yeah, I paid attention.
1: Uh, oh, sorry, District 10. 10, okay. District 10 is the girl named Brandy uh, who actually takes the knife that Arachne was using to slice cheese and slits her throat with it in full view of the cameras.
0: So little different in the movie.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: He brings... I think it's the second time he goes to give food, and other mentors have realized, oh, this is something we can do to help. Yes. Right. So Plinth is trying to give his buddy food down the row. He's giving food, talking to Lucy Gray and Arachne. has got like a bottle of water, and she's like, "Oh, you gotta reach for it. You got. Can you get it? Uh, uh." And she's like, like treating Brandy like an animal. Yeah. And there's constant use of that word to describe people in the districts. It's yes. so dehumanizing, even more so. Than the original trilogy yes. but she's playing that game in the background this whole scene yeah and then at the end of the scene brandy grabs the bottle smashes it and crams it into her neck
1: oh okay
0: and it's i think uh cornrow goes to help her and he's calling for help and all the peacekeepers do is shoot brandy dead and then yes. she just dies right there in front of the in front of the fence
1: yes do you get her few fun- do you get arachne's funeral in the movie as well no so
0: not that i recall
1: as part of her funeral which you're introduced to this character a little bit earlier but of course brandy uh brandy gets shot dead by the peacekeepers arachne dies on scene while because lucy gray actually tells snow help her and so that's what urges, that's what encourages him to go over and try to help Arachne. So he looks heroic on camera, and he gets singled out by Doctor Gall. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her first name. I think it's Volumnia.
0: I don't know if they even said it in the movie.
1: Yes, Doctor Gall singles him out for special attention at this point.
0: Wait, does that? Do I have permission to just call him Snow then? Yes. All right.
1: Yes. Uh, and. He is tapped to sing the anthem at Arachne's funeral. And uh, Dr. Gall has the conversation with him um, about kind of the point of the Hunger Games. And you get a little bit of who she is as a person at that point. When the uh, funeral happens... Arachne's body comes through, and then afterwards, they have Brandy hung on a... It's not clear whether it's a gallows or a spike of some sort, but they have her bullet-riddled body hung behind Arachne's chariot as, as like, this is what happens when you dare to defy the Capitol. Jesus. Yeah. Going on with this character, Dr. Gall... Uh, there's a special assignment that she she's kind of been stepping in with the mentors because she's the head game maker. Clearly, Dean Highbottom does not get along with her because she keeps prodding him and reminding him that he created the Hunger Games.
0: And he is not happy about that.
1: He sure is not. So she has this special assignment that uh, Snow drops off. And then she calls in Snow and Clemencia because the reason Clemencia did not work on it with him was that Arachne was their third, and she was too shaken up by her death to work on it.
0: Yeah, because so it only- was like that night he writes this out. Yes. The, so the assignment is the um his ideas to make the games more...
1: His ideas to make... Not
0: cinematic, was the word I'm looking for.
1: Kind of more cinematic.
0: Yeah, more... But more engaging. More s- spectacular.
1: Yes, turn it more into a spectacle. Yeah. So...
0: Did, is there a scene in the classroom before that... Where that assignment comes about?
1: Yes, that I. Yes, that is prior to Arachne's death. It's because pri- they're basically they're going to class and then they're going to see the tribute. Yeah. Doctor Gall calls Clemencia, his partner, and Snow down into the lab to discuss it, and she has this tank of these rainbow snakes, and she basically encourages them to both put their hands in to retrieve the paper so they can talk about it, and only after they put their hands in does she say, "Oh, by the way, if." If they don't know what you smell like, they're going to attack
0: you. It's after their hands are in.
1: Uh, Yes. Yeah. She waits until Snow has basically reached in and pulled his hand out, and Clemencia reaches in to tell them that it's going to attack.
0: So this is treated a little differently in the movie. I actually really liked this scene a Mm -hmm. lot. So they get called about the assignment, Mm -hmm. and on the way, Clemencia is telling Snow... I didn't have time to work on it. I was so distraught last night. And he's like, don't worry. I turned it in this morning. She's like, yes. okay, cool. Give me the bullet points so that I can talk about it too. And he gives her the bullet points off camera. Yes. And then when they get in there, she's like, she talks about the snakes and explains like, oh yeah, I know it was given to me. Uh, who who wrote it? Who wrote it? And Clemencia like jumps snow and she's like, oh, I did. The idea about the gifts and the bedding, that was all me. Yep. And she's like, okay, so when it was turned into me this morning, they thought it was trash and threw it in with the snakes. Would you like to get your writing out? Oh, I should let you know before you reach in there that the snakes, uh, if they're used to your smell, like if your sweat's on the paper perhaps, they'll be cool with you. But if they don't know your smell, they'll bite you right away. So do you want to get your papers out for me? And she makes Clemencia do it because she doesn't back down from her lie. Like she's that egotistical and there's such a level of fighting for power because this grant money is held over all of their heads. Yeah. And she still doesn't back down and thinks that she can still get it. Of course she gets bit and taken away.
1: So that scene does happen in the book a little bit differently. The, the walking to scene, because basically what happens is that same conversation where she's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I was messed up. And Snow's like, don't worry. I did our assignment. And she basically throws all the answers on him. But then it's like, oh, yeah, we printed it at my place. And like, I dropped it off to you. And Snow's like, really, bitch? But that's the point where they reach in and take out the papers. and It's only after their hands are in there that Dr. Gall is like, and then she used after the whole horrible scene with Clemencia with the multicolored pus and everything. The what now? Multicolored pus. It's described how she has rainbow pus sprinkling out of the shooting out of the wounds where the snakes bit her. Ew. Yeah. I don't like that. She basically tells Snow, that was your one. I don't want to see your weakness like that again. So uh, that happens. (laughs) (laughs) So Snow and Lucy start bonding um, over their struggles growing up, which is basically like, hey, we're both orphans. We're both poor. And he actually talks to her about being hungry, because in the movie, the only time he... They eat, like, minimally at home, but he gets fed at the academy. Yeah. Um,
0: she, she actually... He doesn't tell her about it. When he brings her food the first time, it's a half a sandwich and a cookie. Yeah. And she starts taking a bite of the sandwich, and she just hands him back the cookie. And he's like, no, that's for you. And she says, I see you looking at it.
1: Hunger recognizes hunger.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the game.
1: Hey. <laughs> so they actually go on a tour of the arena because in th- in in this the arena is actually the old like essentially coliseum. Uh, where they used to have military parades and everything, and they hold the Hunger Games in the same arena every year. They throw weapons in the middle, and it's basically fight to the death. It's, like, literally a coliseum.
0: Like, jumping ahead a little bit, Flickerman is surprised. Like, he has to cancel dinner reservations because the games go overnight.
1: Yes. So, uh, they're touring the arena because this is after Arachne's death, so they're trying to present them as pairs. Yep. So they go into the arena, and uh, some undetected bombs explode. And the thing that really freaks out the people in the capital is they have no idea how long ago these bombs were planted because they only checked the arena around the time of the Hunger Games. So it could have been six months ago. It could have been six days ago. They don't know because mm-hmm. this was also a spontaneous tour.
0: Yeah.
1: So several of the um, tributes actually escape in the fire and the confusion. And Lucy Gray thinks about escaping and actually instead saves Snow's life. She pulls a burning beam off of him and drags him partially out. Yeah.
0: I think it's only one escapes. Marcus. Marcus in the movie.
1: Three escape in the movie. Or in the book, I mean. Okay. Marcus is the named one, and I believe it's both tributes from, um, five? No. Six. No. Yes, both tributes from six because both of their mentors die in the explosions. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think they mentioned that like three tributes die in the explosion and Marcus escapes.
1: Do, uh, are tributes also dropping because they're ill and...
0: None of the tributes die before the game's due to illness, but there are definitely some ill tributes.
1: Okay there is there is one person that at least one that dies before the games because of illness because they send a veterinarian to treat them. They refuse to send them doctors. Jesus,
0: fucking Christ. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: yeah. There's another funeral with the bodies of the recovered uh, tributes that fled uh, again displayed for all to see behind the dead capital citizens. And they end up having interviews for the first time, which we know later becomes a main point of the games. And Lucy Gray has a song that she sings and she kind of gets everyone's hearts again. Uh, And so this is also when they introduce the idea of betting. And this is, they have the communicuffs. So and that also they,
0: uh, donations as well.
1: Yes, the donations to feed them. And uh, part of the genius of Snow putting the bedding is because he knows he's poor. So he makes it game makers and people directly tied to the tributes, like mentors, etc. Can't donate. So it has to be other citizens. So that way there's no excuse for...
0: That way Plinth can't just have all of Daddy's money go in to help Marcus. Correct. Not that he's capable of being helped by the time the games start. Oh boy, yeah. (laughs) Well, he is capable of being helped in one very specific way.
1: Yes. So, the games begin, and at this point no one has seen or heard from Marcus, obviously. Uh, When the games begin, they begin with uh, a scaffolding... On which Marcus is suspended from hit I believe, by his wrists?
0: Christ-posed.
1: Christ-posed. And clearly he's had the shit beaten out of him.
0: Yeah. It's not even scaffolding in the movie. It's part of, like, the fallen roof.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: they don't add anything. After the bombs go off, they don't add or change anything in the arena.
1: Oh, They're they, just fighting on debris. They specifically put in the, the scaffolding, and it's described as being like a metal framework that's put in to show the forethought of the malice. Mm. Marcus is the first tribute to die, I believe, because Lamina, who is the District 7 tribute, climbs up. So the other thing that's fun is that because of the uh, closeness, the proximity of the games and the attacks. All these hidden tunnels are opened up that are normally not opened up. Yeah. So There's tributes. Vents
0: can... and ducks and uh, service tunnels underneath and all that kind of thing. So
1: tributes can run and hide, and that's what a lot of them do. Yep. And so. When
0: they're doing their, their reconnaissance. Oh, no. This is after the uh, explosion. Snow does his own reconnaissance mm-hmm. and finds some of these tunnels and relays the information to Lucy Gray and tells her when it starts run to this tunnel, go underground, go alone, don't get Jessup go alone of course she doesn't completely listen to him uh she wears Peta's the whole thing <laughs> like they right when it starts she does she does the fucking Katniss thing in Catching Fire when she stands there where the fuck is Peta? where's Peta? oh my god where's Peta? <laughs> she's doing that with fucking Jessup but he's like on the other side of the thing
1: So that does not happen. He tells her um, basically to hide because of all the openings, but he doesn't do any recon.
0: Oh, no. He like specifically finds the tunnels and stuff. He's
1: very cerebral in the book. This is all academic to him.
0: Yeah, he's a little more feet on the ground here. Yes.
1: Um, Oh, another important thing is that before like the final night after their interviews and everything, they, they share a smooch because he gives her his mother's compact and basically heavily implies... Take rat poison from the zoo in with you.
0: So <laughs> that changes some things. So he, he does the thing with the compact. I don't think they kiss. because she leans through the bars to kiss him and he pulls away. And oh, they're more not- or less asks her, like, is that real or are you just trying to get an advantage? But he gives her the compact. He put the rat poison in already.
1: No, he tells her to do it.
0: No, because he sees a rat like bit in like in his uh, apartment. I think mm-hmm. he sees a rat bit into a rat poison box and is dying. And he scoops the poison into the compact, gives it to her, and says, "Use it when you need it. You'll know."
1: So they have. Um rat poison sprinkled around everywhere in the zoo because there's not a lot of zoo animals left uh, and there's rats are a big problem and actually Put the rats in the zoo Jessup actually got bitten early like their second night in the capital zoo and they assumed it was a rat but you know rats don't carry rabies so
0: yeah he gets bit on the train on the way he has the bite when they get off the train, and Lucy Gray explains that he stayed up all night protecting her from the bats that were in the train car.
1: Oh no, I don't like that. Because the point of in the in the book, Liz Estrada, which is Jessup's mentor, makes it clear he got it in the Capitol. Because that's what she's try- that's what they're trying to point out. Because everyone assumes he was like, oh, he brought the disease from the districts. And she's like, no, he got it here.
0: Ooh. I kinda liked well, I only saw the movie, obviously. Yeah. But I it was a very clear and immediate representation of how these kids are treated like animals. Because I've only seen, you know, the original trilogy. Yeah. And I've seen how they treat tribute treat tributes sixty-four years after this. Yeah. So when they arrived on that train and they got they fall out of, you know, grain cars and shit. And he's got this big gruesome bite and a few minutes later in the movie you find out he was protecting her from bats all night. because, And you know how long that ride is from District 12 because yeah. we've seen Katniss do it on a faster train and it takes days. Yeah. That's like whoa, that's an immediate gut punch. It's like this is not your granddaughter's Hunger Games. This is, this is Grandpa's uphill both ways and two feet of snow with no shoes Hunger Games, you know?
1: <laughs> yes. Lamina, which is the District 7 tribute, which is important because, you know, she climbs trees. She pulls a Joanna because she immediately runs away. She's been playing scared. She's a, she's a small girl.
0: Yeah.
1: Now that there's no one else visible, because um, the person who's hunting is Reaper, who is Reaper is... He's
0: the, District uh, 11.
1: Yes, District 11. Uh, he is Clemencia's tribute.
0: He's he's the Thrash. Yes. And uh, Dill is the Rue.
1: Yes. Except
0: Rue uh, doesn't have a catness. No. She's thirsty. She has the tuberculosis.
1: Oh, yep. She's the first non-combat death, right? Because basically, I think Reaper brings her body out, so she dies in the arena, and then like sets her aside.
0: She dies in the arena, regardless.
1: Yeah. No. No. She's I the mean, one who
0: drinks the water, right?
1: No, that's Wovie. That's District Eight. Dill okay. is the one who dies it's, of tuberculosis.
0: Okay, so that's a little bit of I feel like we're just going to do the, the game section as a hodgepodge because things are way different in, in a different order in the movie. Yeah. Um. So Dill has TB and uh, I almost called her Katniss. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, Lucy Gray does the water bottle thing where... Sh- The fucking drones. (laughs) Oh my god.
1: The terrible, terrible drones. (laughs) The fucking drones.
0: (laughs) When, When he calls in eight water drones to save her from the fucking gang. And they all like crash and water bottles are flying everywhere and she grabs one and escapes, fills it with rat poison and then pours the other ones out that they set aside as bait. And as they're going up for the District 7 girl and she leaves the rat poison water as the only drinkable water. Which very funny thing when those drones are called in, uh, Flickerman, who was played by Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Fucking hilarious. He's got so many laugh lines. I was not expecting to laugh during that movie. Uh, At that point, like he like leans to like somebody off screen. He's like, "We gotta fix those drones." (laughs) Or or like, uh, how did he say? It's like those drones are very good. It's just like (laughs) he's just like huh. But uh, yeah. Dill comes out coughing with the TB and sees the water. And, like, takes a swig, and Lucy Gray is watching from, I think she's in a duct at this point, and she's just crying because she never intended the water to be drunk by her. Yeah. And that's her, that's her rue moment, even though there's no real rue moment.
1: Oh, no, no, no. But
0: Reaper gets the rue moment.
1: Reaper carries Dill's body out of one of the uh, tunnels and lays her in the sun, and the crowd watches her cough herself to death. Oh. And it takes a couple of hours.
0: <laughs> In the movie, he finds her body, and he picks it up, and he takes it, and he picks up all of the other bodies he can, and he lines them up. Yes. And he rips the fucking Pan Am flag down, and that's what shocks the Capitol. Yep. They're like, oh, the flag? Can he do that? And he covers their body, and he stares right at camera, and he just says, punish me now. Do it.
1: So, he's not the first one to tear down the flag in the book. Okay. So, there's a group of um, District 3, Cirque and Tesley, so the District 4, Mizzen and Coral, and Tanner, which is the District 10 boy, group together. Uh, and they are basically the the career pack in this, because the career pack in this is already dead by the time that it starts.
0: Oh, yeah, because the opening is just, I think six die right at the start. They just grab weapons and start stabbing.
1: Uh, No, they're dead. Districts 1 and 2 are dead before, they're two of the ones that are killed in either the explosion or oh. the... Oh, the shit, escape. okay. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. No, they don't even make it in. I think They
0: I, they don't mention who dies in the explosion in the movie. They just... Like I think three it's, tributes died.
1: I think it starts with, like, only 16 tributes. I don't remember the exact number, but it's not the full field.
0: I think it's, like, 20.
1: Yeah. But, it's yeah, like, it's
0: definitely not the full field.
1: So, uh, the District 4 and the District 10 tribute uh, are banded together, and they actually... So, okay, I'm going to go back to Lamina because it's important because Lamina pulls the Joanna. She's our District 7. Mm-hmm. She waits for everyone else to clear out, and then she kind of casually takes her time. She picks up her axe. She picks up a knife, and she climbs the scaffolding that Marcus is hanging from. And she hooks herself to the top of it and leans down, and she's talking to Marcus. And Marcus basically tells her to kill him, and she does. So she has the first official combat kill, even though it's not really combat kill. Mm-hmm. And later, District 4, they both climb and they kind of double team her and kill her. Yeah. And then, or sorry, District, uh, it's the boy and the girl from District 4 and the boy from District 10. Because the boy from District 10 gets down and is celebrating and District 4 stabs him in the back and kills him.
0: That all happens in the movie in a different order. Uh, Seven doesn't go up up there to kill Marcus until after the bloodbath at the cornucopia. Okay. It's like way later she puts him out of her misery. So he's hanging there for a good couple of hours. Okay. And there's also a subplot there where she's hanging out. The the first time they're in the arena scoping it out, she's hanging out with her seven cohort. Mm-hmm. And Coral is like, yo, Lumberjack, come here. And they both go. And she looks at the girl and is like, not you, just him. So he's part of the gang and she's not. So there's that aspect of it too.
1: Yeah. So there's also the District Three tributes actually take the crash drones and they use it to um, take out the District Four male tribute because they have the drones start attacking his face basically because the drones are path to map uh, their paths are mapped to their tributes faces and his his person sent in food for him so they. They basically hijack the drones and use the drones to push him off and he breaks his neck.
0: I think something similar happens. I don't remember which, which tribute it is, but they the first time somebody calls in water and the drone just like right by him and explodes.
1: Yep. The other thing with the flag is that the District 4 and District 7, they tear off pieces of the flag because Lamina is using it as a covering from the sun. Oh, okay. And she's actually trading with Reaper because she's gotten a bunch of food that she can't eat all of, and Reaper hasn't gotten anything because Clemencia is not there yet.
0: Oh, yeah, because she's, like, sick and shit.
1: Yeah, she's in the hospital being growing snake scales, so... (sighs) She's doing what? Yeah, she's growing snake scales.
0: None of that's in the movie. (laughs) It's just deadly snake bite. Or deadly snake avalanche with bites <laughs> yes. that are assumed. Uh, Poor Wovie.
1: So Wovie so, then shows up and she dies.
0: So, uh, how does she die?
1: She stumbles into the, the sunlight from one of the tunnels holding the bottle of water that's mostly drunk and Snow realizes oh, that's Lucy Gray because her spit isn't quite Right, and okay. he recognizes that. and then Reaper, when he goes to collect the the body, he goes to he looks at the water and he bypasses it because he looks at the he looks at Wovi and he's like, that's no, that's sketchy.
0: So does Wovi have any disability in the book?
1: No, none of the tributes have a disability except for Dill having tuberculosis.
0: so in the movie. Dill's got the TB, uh, Jessup's got the rabies, but they don't figure that out till a little bit later. Yeah. One of the tributes, one of the gang, has a limb disability, or oh. a limb difference. Y- you know
1: what? You might be right.
0: And Wovie, they cast Sophia Sanchez, who you may know her from a viral video called Down Syndrome is Not Scary.
1: Oh.
0: And when this poor girl walks into the arena, my heart stopped. How are they going to kill this poor girl with Down syndrome? Because I assume she's not winning this shit. <laughs> she, she dies when they drop the snakes in and the capsule opens and she just gets drowned in snakes.
1: Oh. Yeah, that happens to somebody.
0: Yeah. They, um, they, whoever it happens to, they made it wovey. So oh, what, what a... What a move casting her for that. Like, how, oh, if you thought the capital was heartless 65 years in the future, my fuck.
1: <laughs> so another thing that's important to note is that apparently Reaper approached Jessup and Lucy trying to create an al- create an alliance, and Jessup spit in his eye.
0: Uh-oh. Yup. That's not good.
1: Yeah. So, Lucy Gray makes her reappearance at this point, uh, being chased by Jessup, and mm-hmm. she is desperately scrambling away from him.
0: Because they're hiding in the tunnels, basically, for 14 hours.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's spread over a couple of days uh, yeah. at this point, and so she comes out, and she is, like, running from something, and then Jessup stumbles out after her. She starts climbing up into the seats to get away from him, and he's trying to follow her, and Snow has the idea—they realize he's rabid because he starts foaming at the mouth— Snow has the idea to start sending in water because he, like, freaks out near a puddle. And that's when Liz Estrada, his um, district partner, uh, mentor, district mentor partner, um, decides to, she's like, no, let me, he's my tribute. So she sends in all of the water.
0: He orders her to do it. Oh, no, she chooses to do it in the book. Oh, he orders her to do it. It's his decision. He puts his blood on her hands.
1: It's his idea, but she's the one that reaches over and is like, no, he's my tribute.
0: Oh, because he says like, I can't do it. You have to do it. It's mapped to his, your console is mapped to his face.
1: You can, yeah, because they've, all the tributes have kind of been like trading back and forth at this point. Mm-hmm. Another, th- so the water comes in and basically Jessup falls off of the grandstand. Because yeah, he's
0: afraid of water because of rabies.
1: Yes, because he's running away from the water. He's running away from the water and Lucy Gray sits with him until he actually dies. And then she closes his eyes, yep. grabs a couple of the water because Reaper's approaching and runs away and Reaper gets the rest of the water. Another important thing that happens is after Marcus's death, the first night.
0: Oh, yeah, we didn't touch on this important scene.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sejanus Plinth actually goes into the um, arena. He sneaks in uh, because he actually, when Marcus is revealed, he throws a chair at the screen and calls everyone in the Capitol monsters and disappears until they see him that night on the screens and Snow gets called in because he's his best friend. Is his mom in the movie at all?
0: Snow's? No. Oh, uh, Plint's? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just just the scene
1: <laughs> after the this.
0: No, right after they get out oh, okay. of the arena here. She, okay. She's there.
1: Snow actually rides over with her because she is at their the Snow's apartment because she's like, he hasn't come home. I know you're his only friend. Help. And that's when they get the call from Dr. Gall that's like, get your ass over here and fix this mess. And so he actually gets sent into the arena to bring back Plinth. Because Plinth's whole idea is he's going to be a martyr. And Snow is like, you're an idiot. They're not going to show that. They're just going to mysteriously, they're going to cut the footage. Nobody's paying attention. The best way you can help is by staying alive and you can maybe do some stuff outside.
0: Like use your money for good. Yeah. That's what he tells him.
1: Uh, so they get attacked by some of the tributes and Snow actually kills one of the tributes. Bobbin, who is District 8? Yes. Sure. Uh, and he beats the shit out of him with a with a 2x4, uh, basically. And this is another shot where the peacekeepers are useless because he is, like, sprinting and they are not shooting at the tributes that are chasing him. And he's like, use your guns. Use your, like, help us. And they're basically like, orders are orders. And he's like, oh, so Dr. Gall just wanted me to die. And then he gets called in later to Dr. Gaul's office, and she's like, so what'd you think? And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And she's like, well, now you know, now you've experienced my worldview. People are animals. And the only thing that keeps us from being animals is law and order.
0: This scene happens while she's uh, stitching up one of his wounds in the the movie.
1: Yes. She's uh, giving him stitches for uh, where he got uh, sliced. Yeah he is going back there later i can't remember i think he's dropping something off and he sees a tank of the snakes that's leaving the lab and he's like oh fuck because the snakes attack by scent yeah
0: the way it happens in the movie is Gaul announces that uh, oh it's because the president's son dies uh it's due to his wounds from the explosion because he was one of the mentors
1: oh they killed him that's not in the book it's a different character that dies it's not the president's son
0: it's it's felix the president's son and it's right after reaper stacks the bodies and covers them with the flags and says punish me the feed cuts and it's dr gall saying the president's son has died the district will the uh, people in the district will celebrate this like a victory and we will not let them we are going to unleash hell on the arena Yes. And that's when he realizes, the fucking snake, she's going to do that with the snakes. So he knows that he had used his uh, father's handkerchief to wipe Lucy Gray's tears, so he knows her sense on it. Yes. And he rips his own stitches out of his shoulder and uses that as an excuse to go back to the lab, where he's able to sneak him into the uh, container.
1: He is... I think he may be there for a checkup when he sees the... Because she told him to come back. Okay. So... Uh, he is in the elevator with it, and he drops it in while he's in the elevator with he, them.
0: He sees it like as it's getting picked up by a hovercraft to get ah. dropped in, like, and he gets it in there like right before it takes off. But I mean, like with the other Hunger Games movies, they take something that took two weeks in the book and condense it into like two days. Yeah. You know?
1: So the snakes get released, which takes care of a significant portion of
0: the rest of the field. Rest in peace, <laughs> Wovy, and the rest. <laughs>
1: Lucy Gray makes her next appearance, and she's singing, and she has a skirt of the snakes because they slowly like drawn to her, mm-hmm. which uh, Snow realizes later is probably because it was the only scent they knew, and so in a field of unfamiliar scents they attached yep. to her. Uh, so she somehow manages to conceal one.
0: They do they have the thing about her singing to yes. sedate snakes? Yes. Because uh, I forget who it is. It's either Gall or Flickerman has that killer line of like, she can't sing forever. Because they still think she's singing to get away with it.
1: Yes. Finally, uh, after several days, which this is the longest Hunger Games, like to the point that Dr. Gall is like, this could go on indefinitely. And Flickerman's like, indefinitely?
0: Like like I said before, they're so used to this happening within a matter of a couple of hours Like, they don't do it this time because the arena's fucking destroyed, but as they're all entering, uh, when they enter to survey, and then when they enter to start the games themselves, they go by a turnstile, and every time they walk through, there's a a recorded voice that says, enjoy the show. You heard it on the trailer. Yes. It was very clearly the first nine were just, like, any sporting event, like, going to a hockey game, except less violent
1: so in the book it's explained that that's actually a holdover from when it was in a like you're a just coliseum. gonna sandbag that joke yes i didn't hear it's it. like I'm going sorry. to a
0: hockey game but less violent <laughs> 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 i just, needed you to have that one I'm just kidding, i wasn't gonna let you just gloss over that one
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna take that ring off so it's actually a holdover from when this used to be, in the pre-war days, when this used to show, like, the circus and everything. Exactly. It's And an they actually, they have to use tokens to go through the turnstile.
0: There's no tokens here, but that's, hold like because well, that's... Do the tributes use them as they enter in the book? Oh, they're that's given fucking a tribute. funny. Uh,
1: the other thing that's important is that when Plinth goes in, they're like, yeah, he had to use a token, which demonstrates his intent.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's something that they use against him later. Yeah. Now the field has been narrowed down and it's basically Lucy Gray, Reaper, and I can't remember who the other person is. Is this
0: after the snakes?
1: Yes. Reaper survives the snakes. Or Reaper doesn't survive the snakes.
0: No. No, the snakes is the end. Oh, it's not the end. No, it's the title. Like, I think there's seven left or four left at this point. And the snakes, like, just wreck everyone but Lucy Gray. Reaper just sits there next to Dill's body and doesn't move as snakes completely envelop him until he's more snake than man and then he finally falls over. And at this point, like she's singing to sedate the snakes because she doesn't understand that they're not going to bite her. Yeah. Snow himself isn't quite sure that they're not going to bite her. Like he's like, please work, please work. And he's like, she's it. Everyone else is dead. She's won. Gaul, get her out of there. And Gaul, like, refuses. And he's like, Gaul, get her out of there. She's won. And then the members of the capital who are watching in the, the room where they're filming the show. Yeah. Start, you know, hey, get her out of there. Like, she won. And I forget who says it. It might have been Flickerman says, we can't have a games if there's no winner. Like, somebody says that, and that's when she agrees to, to call it. So how do the games end in the book?
1: So it's down to Three. And I can't remember who the third one is, but it's not really important. I think it might be Treach. um, It's not Coral? No, Coral is one that gets got by the snakes. Okay. She's the first one.
0: What does she say to Lucy Gray when she gets got by the snakes? Because this point in the movie, some fuckhead pulled out his phone, and immediately my eyes went there, and I completely missed what she said, and it was her last words.
1: Uh, She doesn't say anything. Lucy Gray isn't even on screen at that point.
0: Then mystery to me, then.
1: (laughs) So, calling back... Lucy is being chased in the stands by someone. Uh, It's not Reaper. And I think it's... Which is why I think it's Treach. But she actually has hidden one of the snakes, because the rest of them disappeared. So she... Treach goes to attack her, and she leans into it and sticks the snake on his neck, and he falls and dies. Reaper, at this point, is starting to show the signs of rabies, so she starts forcing him to chase her. So what she's doing is she's stealing part of the flag from his body pile and moving it and running away and making him run after her until he gets thirsty and she's poisoned the last puddle. Ah. So when he finally drinks from the puddle and dies, they're not sure he's dead for, like, a good half hour until Lucy goes over, checks him, and then she still, like, goes back and sits back. And they wait, like, a good while before they go in and she's declared victor. So they pull her out, Snow is celebrating, everything's great, and then he gets called to Dean Highbottom's office and has a brief conversation with him that ends with him becoming a peacekeeper because he just has three items on the desk. He's got the handkerchief, the napkin, and the compact.
0: The napkin?
1: The napkin that he used to smuggle food into her cuz that wasn't allowed.
0: Oh, uh, okay. The food thing, I think he gets reprimanded for that before the games, but also that's when the um that's when he's made the, given the assignment. He gets reprimanded for Meeting at the train and yes. offering food and stuff. He's like, isn't this exactly what you told us to do? You didn't tell us not to do this.
1: Because he's basically like, you're um, not going to have much of a Hunger Games if your tributes are starving and dying.
0: Yeah, and there's a similar... But it's called the Hunger Games. They have to be hungry. It's like that TNA match where they lock you in a room for 24 hours before you you have the match <laughs> with no food or water. That's... No. Because TNA, you know, bastion of good ideas. No, but there's another classroom scene, I think, where he's reprimanded for bringing food, but... Yeah, I like the thing you said about her using the snake as a weapon, because that makes it rule of threes in the movie, that she uses a snake yep. to do something, and in or in the book it's a rule of three, because in the movie it's just with the mayor's daughter, and then at the end, which we will get to momentarily.
1: Yes. So, he uh, has now joined the Peacekeepers, he thinks his life is over.
0: Yeah, it's punishment for cheating to win the games.
1: Yes. Uh, so he goes to District Twelve, and
0: does he does he bribe his way to Twelve?
1: No, he just asks for Twelve, and they don't think to question it.
0: Oh, he asks for Twelve with all of the money he has left to his name in his hand when they when they book him to Eight. No, so he eight. just
1: he's like, yeah, the person who at the Peacekeeper Academy must not have been paying attention or watching The Hunger Games.
0: Oh, he has to bribe his his uh, his trip to Twelve.
1: So. Yes, he goes to. He does not bribe his way. He just gets assigned to twelve. He settles into the mundane routine, and who should show up but Sejanus Plinth, who has also agreed to now become a peacekeeper.
0: He shows up on the train to twelve.
1: Oh, he's uh, like they
0: arrive at camp together.
1: Oh no, uh, Snow is there for like a week before Plinth shows up because he is like fully given up on his life at that point. Hey,
0: movie, condense it.
1: Yes, so. Plinth, it turns out, uh, basically agreed to be a peacekeeper because of his stunts that he pulled during the Hunger Games, and then he did something else afterwards. I can't remember what it was. But basically, for railing against the capital, he gets assigned. Yeah,
0: like, if you defy the capital, you're punished. Yeah.
1: Um, but, but his, his, dad his has,
0: dad's wealthy, so his, uh, his parents don't get murdered because they have the money. Yes. Uh, he has to go. And
1: he actually, I think he paid for a, a new gymnasium and an entire new lab for Dr. Gall.
0: I think it's just the gym, but like that's definitely in there. Like, yeah. My dad had to buy them a new gym for me to get my diploma, I think it's what he says. That's
1: what it is. It's the diploma. And he also gets uh, Snow his diploma as part of it. Because Dean Highbottom didn't want to allow Snow to graduate.
0: What a dick. Right? But also an understandable dick.
1: Well, we'll get there. We'll get to it. They're there, and he finally, he go. He hears about how there's this girl that's going to be singing at the Hob. And they go, and who is it? But it's Lucy Gray back with her Covey family. And they get to see each other, and they rekindle their romantic relationship. Uh, except throw the wrench in of Billy Tope, the guy that she was singing about, and the one who actually is the reason that she got reaped, because it turns out he was seeing the mayor's daughter, and so 100% the mayor used her name to make sure that she was out of the picture for his spoiled baby. Yep. So, Snow was like, perfect, this is gonna be great, I'm gonna actually have a good life, I get the woman that I love. And then it turns out that uh, Plinth is actually working with the rebels, because the rebels are part of Billy Tope. Because there's this tree, the hanging tree.
0: Where people get hanged.
1: Where people get hanged.
0: It's like their first week on the job yes. is uh, this dude gets hanged yes. for Killing Three. If you know the lyrics to that song,
1: he, you, yes. get,
0: you get the uh, you, Indy, Indiana Jones's hat of the song in this it, movie.
1: Is it explained the three people he killed?
0: It's a peacekeeper and two others. Uh they do explain it but I don't recall.
1: Uh he bombed there was a explosion at one of the mine shafts and it killed two peacekeepers and someone else.
0: Oh, it's uh he shoots them in the movie.
1: Oh, no, he it's
0: or allegedly shoots them because there's a woman in the crowd who screams well, out he's innocent, he didn't do it, and she gets taken to jail just for association.
1: Yes. Uh, it's his, I believe, his significant other. Yes. Uh, cause she's ultimately one of the ones that hangs with, with uh, Plinth. So they're at the hanging tree. Uh, this guy gets hung, and Plinth is like, man, I can't do this. I wanted to be a medic, but they don't need medics. They need more peacekeepers. And Snow is like, bro, chill out. Just do your job and everything will be great. Plinth Sejanis, uh actually starts working with a rebel named Spruce because they're trying to free Lil, who is the guy that was hung. It's his significant other. Yep. They're trying to get uh, him out and or get her out of jail because she's going to get hung. They discover this during one of the shows and they all start arguing over... Sejanus' involvement. Billy Tope shows up because he's part of the rebels. And Mayfair Lip, the mayor's daughter.
0: God, these fucking names. Right, uh, like <laughs> Lucy Gray, Billy Tope, Jenny Mauve, Sam Green.
1: You is it not explained that that's a thing?
0: I hate when I make bits and then they're not actually bits.
1: So <laughs> is that but, actually
0: a thing? They're all colors. Yes, because the only two we get named are Lucy Gray and Billy Tope.
1: The Covey all take their na- Their first name is from a ballad, and their last name is a color. So you've got Barba Or middle name. Yes, because ba- the-, the Covey are a family, and they all have surnames, but they don't use the surname. Yeah. So, like, the girls are all related, and the guys are brothers.
0: Because she's Lucy Gray Baird.
1: Yes. Which, it annoys me so much that Baird is close to Bard, because, like, really... So, uh, Lucy Gray is special because she's the only one whose full name is taken from a ballad because yep. it's the Ballad of Lucy Gray.
0: I saw that in the See Also section of the Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> which is weird because there's the Ballad of Lucy Gray and there's also the Ballad of Lucy Gray Baird, which are two different things. Either way. God damn it. So yes. All Although of the, the
0: Lu- Ballad of Lucy Gray Baird is the song that she's singing, right? Yes. About herself. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Maybe. It's a mystery. <laughs>
1: Yes, that is actually, it is a naming convention. All of the Covey are named after they've got a name from a ballad and then the last name is a color because one of the little girl makes a joke about how Snow's last name is a color too. White as Snow. Snow White.
0: Yeah, but who's, who's listening to the Ballad of Cumberbatch?
1: <laughs> because the mayor's daughter is there, she basically threatened, she has eavesdropped, she's heard the rebel plans. Bruce actually shoots her. Uh, to prevent her from revealing their plans. And then uh, Snow... Spruce, sh-
0: Spruce shoots...
1: The daughter. And Billy Tope goes to her and then like starts threatening them. Like he's going to run away and Snow shoots him.
0: Other way around in the movie. Oh. Snow shoots the daughter when she tries to leave. And then Billy Tope charges Snow and Spruce takes out Billy Tope.
1: You know what? I think you're correct. I think okay. that's right. I had it backwards.
0: Because it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs>
1: They both get shot, and so they cover up the murders by getting Lucy Gray back on stage so she doesn't uh, tell about it. Yeah. The other thing that's important is that they are trying to collect the Mockingjays and the Jabberjays from 12 for study, so Snow is actually assigned to that project, and uh, Sejanus comes to him and is like, hey man, here's the Rebels' plan laid out in specific detail, and I'm even going to use my name.
0: And I don't notice you hitting record on the (laughs) Jabberjay switch, which is a fucking thing that exists.
1: Yeah. So he, Snow, has a Jabberjay record it, it gets sent back to Dr. Gall, and, uh... This
0: is such a stupid scene.
1: (sighs) At least in the book, the way it's explained is his hand is hidden behind the cage.
0: I... he, He does that too, he hides the thing behind the cage and everything, but like, A... You know what these birds do, Sajanis? Why the fuck are you talking about treason? He may not. Oh, you're not, you know what? You're right. He might not. And he's also very but he's, stupid. But you you think that Remember, he'd figure it out.
1: Baby faces are dumb.
0: They're so dumb. <laughs> but also, I don't understand why Snow does that. Like, I my first thought was, oh, he's going to do it. And she'd be like, I just recorded you say this. I can send this or not. But he just, like, records it, puts it on the fucking truck.
1: He thinks that what's going to happen is... First, he thinks that nothing's going to happen. Second, he thinks that... He thinks that what's going to happen is that his dad is going to get him out of the situation like he's gotten him out of everything else before. And he's just going to like get kicked out of the Peacekeepers and basically become...
0: Like he's just doing it to scare him?
1: Kind of. Yeah. But he doesn't then think... Tell, well.
0: like, then scare him. Say, like, I just recorded what you said. Play it back real quick. Like... Am I gonna send this Jabberjay back, or am I gonna kill it right now? Are you gonna go through with it? Do I have to turn you in? Like you, like you, there's no sense in taking the blackmail and not using the blackmail. Did I miss something? No, you're giving me a look.
1: No, I'm giving you the look because this is exactly how I feel about it.
0: Okay, we're on the same page. Yes. Oh.
1: So, moving forward, uh, Snow has taken the exam for officer school, where he can basically, it's another path to prestige and wealth. Yeah, And he hasn't gotten the results of that back yet, but he's like, you know what, I can't stay in 12 because I'm. they're gonna find out about this. And so, it's a shock when they get the notice that Plinth has been arrested, because he just assumes it's part of the murder thing. Mm-hmm. But Plinth gets arrested and gets hung for treason along with Lil. Um, and
0: Spruce. No, Spruce no.
1: Spruce uh, dies of his injuries.
0: Oh. He I gets sh-
1: caught and dies he, of his injuries. He hangs with him. Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah,
0: and they play the audio from the Jabberjay. Oh, no. At the hanging, yeah.
1: No, no one ever knows. Because, of course, Plinth would know it was Snow. Oh, yeah. But oh, no, they, he never knows. They
0: play it, and Plinth recognizes exactly what it is and looks at Snow. And Lucy Gray sees that from the crowd and looks at Snow.
1: That's how they do that. And
0: they and they had already decided to like escape the next day and meet at the hanging tree at dawn.
1: So that happens later because what happens in... Lucy Gray actually it comes... They have their last show together because Snow is expecting to get caught at any point. So he goes to, like, basically say his goodbyes to Lucy Gray, and she's like, I'm going to say my goodbyes to you because the mayor is trying to get me arrested for the death of his daughter because he thinks I did it. Obviously, I didn't. So he's like, all right, let's run away together. Yeah. And it's when they're running away together that they're talking about, like, she makes a a half-hearted joke about not needing to commit any more murders, and he's like, three is enough? And she's like, what do you mean three?
0: That, That also happens in the movie, but she has that seed of doubt already from that scene at the hanging
1: okay um because she
0: earlier she had said something to him about trust
1: yes and trust, trust is, is the more, most
0: important thing more important than love yeah.
1: yes so uh they run away they get to the lake and she's like i'm gonna go dig up these katniss roots so that we can eat because it was
0: <laughs> katniss also known as swamp potatoes <laughs> that's like- right your hero of three films is a nickname for swamp potato <laughs>
1: So he's like, man, she's taking a long time. And also the important thing is that the guns yep. that had his fingerprints on them were in there.
0: She, she tells him, he's like, we're going to go fishing. We'll get some fish, eat before we continue. And she's like, okay, there's some rods under the floorboards there. And he pulls the floorboards up and finds the guns. And he turns, and it's like still pouring down rain outside. And she does the thing that, that you do when you're very clearly lying, where you just smile big. And she's like, I'm going to go dig up some catniss. It's like, but it's raining. And she's like, I know. And she's <laughs> gone. And he's like, oh, he is fucked fucked.
1: <laughs> so he chases after her uh, with the gun. And he spends this time searching for her, rationalizing away everything that he's ever done and blaming her for everything. He's like, obviously she lured Tree Chin and she was just trying to do this with Reaper. And it's actually Billy Tope was in the right. And... Uh, she tricked me and finally she he thinks he found her because he found this orange scarf that he gave her and he reaches for it and a snake bites him he's like fuck she killed me i'm gonna kill her back but she's hiding and she starts singing and the mocking jays start picking it up Mm -hmm. and he realizes that's uh the best cover possible because he's not going to be able to find her And this is where his hatred of Mockingjay starts.
0: And he fucking empties the clip in the sky, yelling. This scene was incredible in the theater. Because not only did I see this in IMAX, those theaters have, like, the 7.1. So, like, you hear her out the back left corner of the theater, and then you hear her in the back right corner of the theater, just isolated on those speakers, and it it sounds like she's everywhere in the theater. It was fucking awesome. That was cool as fuck. Great scene. And this is the second time somebody fucking pulled their phone out. Oh. Like, it's dead quiet and so tense. I see somebody pulled their phone out, and I knew we were close to the end because it was 5 o'clock and the movie started at 2.45. And then I heard... I couldn't tell if it was... Because it was right after this that, like, she started coming out the individual speakers, but I thought I heard somebody over my ear say, shh, but I didn't hear anybody else talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... the the joys of seeing a movie opening weekend in a crowded theater right
1: so he goes he's lucy gray he hears her cry out but it's not clear whether that's because she's being shot at or because he shot her so he decides to take the risk he takes the gun back he throws it into the lake he goes back because he's gonna he's going to officer school Mm -hmm. and so he ends up back in the capital and he's like wait and dr gall calls him in and is like hey did you enjoy your summer vacation? And he's like, what the fuck? You fucking planned this shit? And she's like, yeah, pretty much.
0: So it's not so much she planned it. He's ready to go to two for his officer thing. And yeah. the the commanding officer at his barracks tells him there's been a change of plans. You're going back to the capital. And that's when Gaul tells him, like, the president pardoned you. Did you enjoy your time in Twelve?
1: It's not even the president. It's her who made a specific request to bring him back to study directly under her.
0: Yeah. So the president pardoned him, and then, I think, Plinth Sr. decided to give his dead son's best friend uh, pay his tuition for university.
1: He makes him his heir. Oh! He makes him his heir because he's too old to be adopted, and anyway, he wouldn't change his last name. But he is now heir to the Plinth family fortune. And Plinth is paying all of his bills. And he is back. And they bought... They, like, paid all the taxes on his apartment. Which, that was hilarious. Which is rich people worrying about taxes. Uh,
0: <laughs> Not in my America!
1: <laughs> and so the final scene is the epilogue, which is partway through the university year. Snow goes to visit Dean Highbottom. And this is, why you, this is when you find out why Dean Highbottom hates him. Which is... Yes, he created the games, but it was because he was on an assignment for Dr. Gall with Snow's father. And Snow's father got him drunk and egged him on to create the games, basically. Because the the assignment was, the like, what would be the best way to punish the districts? And by best, the most cruel?
0: Yeah, like, I, I forget how they worded it in the movie, but it was along the lines of, like, the most brutal way. Yes. To punish...
1: And so when he woke up with a hangover the next day, he was horrified at what they created, but he had already turned it in. Yep. Uh, Snow had already turned it in, and that was their falling out. That was uh, where his drug problem started. Uh, but I
0: think he said on the night of the first games, he started taking Morphing.
1: Yep. Snow is basically like, he sees a lot of his father in him. And there's also like some hints that Snow has actually finally embraced the truly ruthless nature that we see in him later because this dean highbottom is his first murder by poison
0: yep the way they do it in the movie i don't know how they do it in the book uh plinth jr is also on morphing because he fucked up his knee yes. that night in the arena so he poisons plinth's morphing and when he goes to highbottom he dumps all of his effects on he's like, here's his effects from district 12 i was going to bring them to his parents but i think they only really need this and it's a picture of the two of them together yeah and he knows that high Bottom's going to see and drink that morphling
1: yep yeah that's exactly how he does it because he's like i would think that you wouldn't want a traitor a, tre- a treasonous traitor to have a degree from the academy so here's this back and he swe- he specifically sweeps the drugs into the trash knowing that he'll pull it out
0: so the going back a step because i realized i had a question when he mentions that line about the three murders he committed. Yes. And she only knows about the two. She knows about the guy in the arena and she knows about... uh Mayfair. Mayfair.
1: Yes. Who's the third? Plinth.
0: Oh. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And what's funny is...
0: Because he- what he says, he's like, I had to kill my old self just to be with you. And he's still wearing his fucking dog tags. Yeah. Like, dude.
1: Yes, that's the escape. Because he realizes he fucked up by saying three. Yeah. And that's the point where she's like, ah, you're fucking lying.
0: It didn't click with me that the third was Plinth. I thought I missed something.
1: He actually, Plinth weighs on him more heavily than the other two.
0: Oh, we see that.
1: Yeah. Because he's like. I just,
0: I just didn't, we see, we see his regret for sure. Like he cries over his footlocker. But what I didn't recognize in that was that he considered what he did a murder.
1: Yes. When once he dies and hangs, he's like, I didn't kill him, but I killed him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. That that confused me because he
1: didn't he didn't know that that's what was going to happen. He just assumed his dad would be able to get him out of it, and then they got noticed that Plint is going to be hung, and he's like, "Well, shit."
0: Because that didn't click with me. I thought he was taking Lucy Gray out in the woods to kill her. Oh no! <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, oh, it'll be nice to not have to kill anymore. Three's enough." And she's like, three. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where I thought it was going. <laughs> but that's, I'm just stupid.
1: And then uh, the. He is also told by Gull that all footage of the 10th Hunger Games has been erased, except for one single master tape for her viewing uh, in the vault, and Lucy's name will never be mentioned again.
0: So this is why in the original trilogy, and I remember you mentioning this the first one, that there were two previous victors from 12, Haymitch.
1: Haymitch and a girl once. That's literally like, it. Like, that's all it
0: is, yeah. Yeah. And now we get the story of that one girl once. Yes. Which apparently
1: it's, was her intention when she wrote that line, and she's like, I knew I wanted to explore that later. It's
0: it's so fucking, only two superstars have ever won the Royal Rumble from the number one position, and one of them was Shawn Michaels. Who was the other one? One of them was Shawn Michaels. <laughs> like, I feel like that joke's gonna get lost on some people. The other one was murderer Chris Benoit. And that's why they don't name him.
1: So can we? Can I be real honest about how I do feel you, about this book? Do
0: you have the scene at the end where Gaul asks him what the Hunger Games are for?
1: That's earlier.
0: Oh, that's earlier. That's like the last scene I think in the movie. It's the it's la- after High Bottom.
1: So it happens before High Bottom. It's like when she first brings him back and is like, "You're gonna study under me." She's like, "What is the point of the Hunger Games?" And he's like, "It's." To keep the districts in check because we need to have a war that we control all the aspects of.
0: Oh, that's at the beginning. Like towards the beginning when that happens? No, there's two scenes. Yeah, okay, because in the beginning... She
1: asks him in the beginning and then she asks him again at the end.
0: That's his answer at the beginning. At the end, his answer is, I used to think it was to keep the districts in line. And then for a while I thought it was to keep us in the capital in line, knowing that it could be us in there. And now I know that the Hunger Games, or, the, or that the arena is everything and everywhere and the games never stop. And that's kind of what develops him into the Corleonis, Coriolanus <laughs> snow. I, I'm going to get it right one of these times. The snow <laughs> that we know. So. And snow always lands on top, as he tells High Bottom right before murdering him. Ugh. Well, you heard the snow must fall line from the trailer.
1: Yeah, because snow always lands on top is like the thing that he keeps going back yeah. to.
0: So you were gonna give your your honest thoughts about this book?
1: Yes, I think that it completely ruins the original trilogy because it makes Snow look like an idiot. You don't have a songbird with a mockingjay pin singing. You don't have a girl from twelve with even the snuff of her populace behind her, and you don't acci- you don't make sure she gets accidentally murdered in the games. You cannot tell me that Snow of with sixty four more years experience doesn't arrange an accident for this bitch.
0: Because Katniss just is Lucy Gray again. She does the fucking same bow, and she and because you said the I'm glad you said that the footage was all destroyed. Yes, because I was like it's weird that they never mentioned that like she watched all of the tenth Hunger Games and just ate Lucy Gray because so much of what she does is like she sings the fucking hanging tree.
1: So the so this is one of the things that we can get into in the trivia but there is I don't know if it's actually word of god or if it's a fan theory or not but it is heavily implied that Katniss is Cubby or descendant of the Cubby because her father knows the hanging tree they're a musical family
0: and she never played that song live at least in the movie She's played other songs live, but she never sings The Hanging Tree on stage that I see.
1: She does sing it for the commander's birthday, and he tells her, don't do it anymore. Gotcha. The other thing that drives me crazy about this is that 12 is basically abandoned by the Capitol. If your biggest fucking threat came from 12... The threat that almost made... The love of your life... He he calls her the love of his life. Oh, yeah. Um, if the love of your life came from that district, you would crack down the fuck on that district. You would not let them wither away into nothingness and occasionally spike up when, like... Because in Catching Fire... Katniss's mom turns to Haymitch and is like it's getting bad again like it was. Which the implication being that it's after his win, there was another crackdown on the peacekeepers. You would keep that shit locked down like District 11. You would make sure they felt nothing but despair from the moment they were born until they died. This is a man who is so fucking petty, he will drink poison along with his enemies to make sure they die. And you're gonna let them just languish and be happy?
0: I think there's something about how it's a mining district- and because of that camaraderie in the mines, there there's something there's something about being underground that just the nature of I mean, thirteen, as we learned, is completely underground. Twelve, like, they spend half their day underground. There's part of that that leads to rebellion. When you're working elbow to elbow with your fellow man, and there's no cameras down there, or at least they can't see very well because it's dark or the light's shit, and the peacekeeper's like in the mines like more revolution and rebellion can always grow from that.
1: Yeah, like, I the actually the rebellion never
0: quite dies in 12.
1: It's also interesting cuz I don't think um I would need to reread the first one again to get more clarity on it, but I don't think there's peacekeepers in the actual mines cuz who's going to fucking do that? Yeah, I they're there at like the entrances and stuff, but I don't think there's actual peacekeepers in the mines. Yeah,
0: and th- and that's why I think like Try as he might to stamp down on twelve, he's never going to fully be able to because so much of their culture is already underground. Like the the name of the bar was the bar in this the the hob. The hob is yes. underground. It's like in a basement or something.
1: It is at least it
0: wasn't the movie. It's, it's an abandoned be.
1: warehouse because it's the it's the place that they're like tearing down and destroying and catching fire.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I th- I think where they play because they come downstairs to get to where the stage is. Mm okay. You know, like that's just part of that culture in that district. It does definitely make Snow look like a fool.
1: And I get like again, I get that this is sixty-four years before we first meet him, and he is actually an eighteen year old dumbass.
0: Like maybe maybe adult Snow is just so fucking full of his own hubris and ego. That he thinks it can't happen again. He's too smart for that. And even though he sees the second coming of Lucy Gray win a Hunger Games using love the same way the original one kind of did with his love and assistance, you know? Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, even I'm watching it happen again. But it's not going to happen again under me. I'm unstoppable. I'm the president. I will make her life hell. This will not end me.
1: It's also interesting how like we're only 10 years in and it's already starting to fall apart like people in the capital don't even care about it they're oh, like they're how not long... sure
0: there's going to be an 11th
1: multiple people are like like uh, like mul- the other mentors high bottom they're like yo how long the war is over how long are we going to keep punishing the districts and the only one who wants to keep it going is dr gall yeah. Because she's the one, her worldview is what Snow ends up taking on at the end, which is basically that humans are instinctual creatures and without law and order, we'll just kill each other.
0: Yeah. But this is, but what he understands that Gaul doesn't is that the humanity of the tributes is what makes the Hunger Games effective. If you treat them like animals, it's like watching a dog fight. Eventually, you're going to get tired of it, or it's not going to interest you. If you treat them like humans and you give them somebody to root for, yeah, that that's what makes it last. That's that's what gets everyone to buy in. And then when you treat them like celebrities afterwards, which Lucy Gray doesn't get that
1: because yeah, up to this point they just get dumped off back in. Yeah, they just get sent back home.
0: Exactly. But like in the future, like with Fennec and with. Well, not Joanna as much, but a lot of like the districts ones and twos, the careers. Yeah. They're treated like celebrities the rest of their life. They're paraded around and all this stuff. And it makes it a reality show. It makes it
1: For the for the Eleventh Hunger Games, which is what they're planning in his uh, in the epilogue, he talks about, oh, let's He's talking about implementing the Victor's Village and the Victory Tour, which, fun fact, Mags Flanagan from Catching Fire, Mm -hmm. she is the victor of the 11th Hunger Games, which means she is the first person to live in Victor's Village and do a Victory Tour.
0: Yeah. I thought she was going to show up in the movie, but she doesn't. No. Not that I saw.
1: No. The other thing that's interesting is that Tigris is Snow's cousin. Mm-hmm. and they are like super tight they're
0: besties
1: they are so close so what happens because repeatedly this is a question i asked you to keep in mind before yeah. we started talking is snow a good person because repeatedly tigris keeps telling him tigers tigris whatever she keeps telling him i hate what they're doing to you i hate what they're turning you into and snow is like what it like what do you mean he realizes he's not a good person very early.
0: Like, that that stuff with Tigers happens more in looks and her reactions to things and less in dialogue. Mm-hmm. As far as, is he a good person? When we did the first Tunker Games, um, and I think a bit in Catching Fire, too, we talked about how Katniss makes so many of her choices to survive. And with Snow, with the lack of wealth that they have he's hungry just like the districts are everything he's doing is for that grant money because for him that's survival that's necessary it changes him and at the very end like i don't think he's a good person anymore but throughout the story until he loses lucy gray i don't think he's necessarily a bad person i think he's just trying to survive like every other tribute.
1: He makes me think of this is a horrible comparison and I'm sorry I'm doing it, but it makes me think of Draco Malfoy. Because you have a name that you're trying to live up to and you're kind of a whiny little bitch. Okay. And that's all that he's trying to do. Here,
0: whole- instead of let's let's do a a different DM. Dominic Mysterio. Got a name to live up to. Whiny little bitch.
1: He's he's twice the size of his father.
0: (laughs) No, he's not twice the size of Eddie Guerrero.
1: So, uh, he... All that he's trying to do is uphold what he thinks of as the honor of the snow's name. And I think that's ultimately his downfall. He's kind of like... Katniss is motivated externally. He is also motivated externally, but it's not—it's for how he appears to other people, not for the safety of his loved ones. Yeah,
0: it's—it's it's more of an of a, of a narcissistic survival.
1: Yes, like it's, he, I he can't, can't let...
0: be portray- He can't let people see him as poor. Exactly. He needs to have buttons made out of bathroom tiles. And his dad's old shirt, which she snuck in while they were doing a load of fucking sheets or whatever at the laundromat she works at. You know, like... Yeah. It's that level of of masking that he has to do. Yeah. So his survival is more making it easier to keep up appearances.
1: It's a different level of stakes than it is for Katniss, where it's literal life or death. For him, it's figurative life or death. Because his concern is that they're going to become irrelevant in the capital
0: it does get life or death when he's in 12 when he's a peacekeeper because he he knows his neck's on the line too if he's found to be associating with plinth yeah they'll hang him too especially him because who's going to protect him yeah it's not like he's a future president or anything like
1: yeah but like there's actually a line that lucy gray has if you can scroll down in the notes yes I think there's a natural goodness built into human beings. You know when you've stepped across the line into evil. Snow recognizes that at that point. Because Mm -hmm. he knows that it is his... I think that's why Plinth's death strikes him so hard. Because he sees Plinth as a human being in the way that he doesn't necessarily even see Lucy. Lucy is an object to him. Even though he says he loves her, it's all about possession.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like everyone is so enraptured by this girl and she's mine. And that's what he loves.
1: Yes. Snow at that point already has crossed that line and he's aware of it. So even though he's like trying to be a good person at that point, to the way that Lucy Gray thinks of as a good person, uh, he's not, he's already too far gone because he has accepted the, um, the Dr. Gall view of humanity. And I also do like how the series kind of portrays the horrors of war. Because, yeah, the capital wasn't unscathed. It's still in, to an extent, it's still damaged 10 years after the war.
0: So they shot this in Poland. And it has a very Cold War aesthetic to it. Yes. Like, Soviet bloc, Cold War, dictatorship, big statues, concrete buildings, a lot of construction in the background. But like that was real smart doing exteriors because I, th- I think they did exteriors in Poland, just to give that that post war rebuilding look. Yeah, you know, um. very not the uh, glitz and glam of the capital we see in uh, orridge tridge.
1: Yes, and like describing snow talks about how like. There's a whole conversation he has with Liz Estrada, which is his second men- the mentor uh, for Jessup. Mm-hmm. It's just, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about sitting through this. I know it's to punish the districts, but haven't we punished them enough? How long do we have to keep dragging the war out? I think Dr. Gall believes forever, he said, like she told us in class. It's not just her. Look at everybody. She indicated the party-like atmosphere of the room. It's revolting. Coriolanus tried to calm her. My cousin said to remember this isn't of our making, that we're still children too. And that's another thing that they talk about is why children? Why is it important to use children? It's something that he talks about with Dean Highbottom. It certainly supports her view of humanity, said Snow, especially using the children. And why is that? asked Dean Highbottom. Because we credit them with innocence, and if even the most innocent among us turn to killers in the Hunger Games, what does that say? That our essential nature is violent, Snow explained. The thing is, it's artificial, because you are forcing them
0: to fight. You're putting them in a room with weapons and say, this doesn't end until only one of you is left alive.
1: And that's another thing where he's, when he has the first conversation with Dr. Gall, where he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? After he's killed Bobbin, he says, I think I wouldn't have beaten anyone to death if you hadn't stuck me in that arena. And she's kind of like, well, you can take, you can blame anyone you like for your choices, but you're the one that decided to do it. And it's like, okay, if the choice is between killing or being killed, yes, I'm going to kill to stay alive. Yeah. And that's...
0: It's such an extreme scenario.
1: Exactly. And it's... She... She demonstrates the kind of, like... She is a mad scientist character.
0: hmm Like, her lab is just full of weird animal experience, experiments.
1: Do you see any humans in the lab? No. Because you do in the book. Oh, no. She has a second room that he goes into after seeing Clemencia get attacked. And it is... Avoxes that are being forcibly experimented on. Some of them have had animal parts grafted onto them.
0: Well, this is a PG-13 movie.
1: Yeah. No, it's not great. No. And the thing that's really fucked up about that scene is that he gets yelled at for going into that room because he's disturbing the Jabberjays, which are the birds above the Avoxes. Yeah. So don't worry about the people. It's the birds.
0: Ugh. Oh. You had another question you wanted. You told me to think about, and I don't remember what it was. Shit, I don't remember what it was either. Oh, should it have been multiple parts?
1: Oh yes, 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 yes.
0: You did ask me that. If you're gonna release this as a film, no. I think they they didn't cut much of what you told me. Just a couple funerals, and the movie came out at two thirty-seven. I think two hours thirty-seven, Dang. and it didn't feel like it. Like I said, I only saw two phones pop up in the theater. And after like Oppenheimer came out, all the people scrolling TikToks while watching the movie because people don't know how to go to the movies anymore, I was expecting more phones. And the, old, the one time I saw somebody pull up a phone to check the time, it was 15 minutes from the end, give or take. So it was paced really well. It did have title cards for the part breaks. Okay. So if you're going to do it as a feature... One film didn't need to be split. They were considering it, but Francis Lawrence learned from the last time.
1: <laughs> is it Francis Lawrence, the It's director? Francis
0: Lawrence again. Okay. Which, perfect. He knows what he's doing. What I might have liked is a miniseries. Like an HBO, like high quality, prestige, six part series. Six or eight part, flesh out the characters a little bit more. Or do three parts that are each an hour
1: do the, do the BBC Sherlock, 90 minutes. Like, do
0: your... Do your not even 90 minutes, because then you're... We're talking about three movies again. But release it as part one, the mentor. Part two, the prize. Part three, the peacekeeper. And they're each 60, 65 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Release them in three days over the holiday weekend. Like, release them Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like they did with that Get Back documentary on Disney+. Plus. Ah, yes. That way, like... It's not, you're not going to binge it if you watch it day one, because you can't, but you don't have to wait a year for part two, like with Mockingjay, you know, oh, this was good. I can't wait to check out the next part tomorrow. Do it like that. I could also see that working. Then again, I saw it in fucking IMAX and that was incredible. So it looks, it looked amazing on that screen. That was really fucking cool to see. So you're not going to get that on your 50 inch Samsung at home.
1: I would split the book.
0: You would do multiple books.
1: I would do parts 1 and 2 as book 1, and I would do part 3 as its own book. Yeah. This is a 516 page book. Part 2 ends on page 320.
0: I can see that cuz when when the Hunger Games themselves ended, there was I, a hard I shift. recognized that like not every uh conflict had been resolved yet. But I was like, wow, that movie flew by. Who <laughs> God damn! Like, and then it was like part three of the piece. Oh, shit, we're still here. Oh, we gotta keep going. All right. Like, it, I wasn't mad that it was going, because as soon as it kept going, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to know how this resolves. Yes. I was still engaged with the, with the content. Content. I'm not calling it content. I was still engaged with the story. Yeah. I was still attached to the characters, invested in the characters. Yeah. And I wanted to see where it went. And it kept going, so I was... I was gonna stay seated. So yeah, like the, I don't think the runtime hurt it at all, but if it was released as two books with that cut, then absolutely two movies.
1: Yeah. I even if it was released as two books, I think you could still do one long movie with it.
0: Oh, they would split it to two. They would. They absolutely would.
1: Yeah. I just reading it, there I think it would have been an incredible, like oh shit moment like it would have been the ending of catching fire there is no district 12 with where he became panem's newest if not shiniest peacekeeper end of book one holy shit and i also think it would be interesting if you did part two from lucy gray's perspective you do part one as uh snow snow's third person limited you do Mm. part you do uh the second book from lucy gray's perspective third person limited
0: yeah that would that would be interesting because it's more about her reacting to like seeing what snow's doing and recognizing that he's not trustworthy because that's the big it's i hate to bring up a shitty movie on this podcast that we're not covering but it's like vertigo (laughs) (laughs) when there's that (laughs) And you know what I'm talking about, where there's that switch in the third act, where we're not following the male lead anymore, we're following the female lead. Yeah. You know, it would be like that, except better. Because <laughs> it's not just for five minutes, it's for the whole yeah. chunk.
1: So, you want to get into a little bit of trivia from the book?
0: Yeah. Oh, you got book trivia for once. I Look do. you go.
1: So... Songs sung by the Covey that are actual songs or are songs in the world of the universe are The Hanging Tree, Mm -hmm. The Ballad of Lucy Gray, which is a Wordsworth poem that they put to music. Uh, Oh, that is a... Yes, that is a Wordsworth poem.
0: Okay. I'm going to pull up the soundtrack on IMDb while you're saying this. Yes. Because I I tried to remember all of them.
1: Uh, Clementine, as in Oh My Darling Clementine.
0: That one I don't think was in there.
1: Uh, and keep on the sunny side.
0: That one was.
1: <laughs> that's what's playing during the murders.
0: I I don't remember when they played it, but I heard it and I was like, oh, when they, when they kill uh, the mayor's daughter. And yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yes. Lucy Gray sings Rue's lullaby. Obviously it's not Rue's lullaby yet, but that's what it's referred to as. The old there before and the ballad of Lucy Gray Baird, which is the song that she sings Not at the Reaping, but later.
0: Backlisting. The Hanging Tree, Lucy Gray version. Yes. The Ballad of Lucy Gray, Baird. Uh, Lucy Gray, The Wordsworth. Yes. Keep on the sunny sunny side. So Clementine is not... I think that would have been a bit too much. Because that's such like a...
1: The Hunger Games, the musical version.
0: The sunny side, the juxtaposition was like, it worked really well. And the way that the, the Covey perform, like, it, it kind of grounded the world a little bit more in reality. Yes. But Clementine would have been a little too jarring, a little too, like, discordant for the tone.
1: The uh, joke with Clementine is that it's District 12, which is Miners, and it's a Miner's daughter who drowns. Oh. Also, I wanted to go back to a section in Mockingjay which is, this is from Katniss's perspective. I used to think the murderer was the creepiest guy imaginable. Now, with a couple of trips to the Hunger Games under my belt, I decide not to judge him without knowing more details. Maybe his lover was already sentenced to death and he was trying to make it easier to let her know he'd be waiting. Or maybe he thought the place he was leaving her was really worth it, worse than death.
0: This is about the person who wrote The Hanging Tree? This
1: is about the the, the voice in The Hanging Tree. So, like, okay, yeah, the yeah, narrator yeah. of The Hanging Tree. We know from this book, or at least Snow believes, that it is Billy Tope who is singing to Lucy Gray, telling her to run away with him, and if she won't run away with him, then she's going to hang.
0: The, well, the first time we hear it is the day after... The, the hanging of the dude who shot three. Yes. So I was under the impression that she was writing it when we hear it. She like is. She's sitting down and writing it. And it was from her perspective.
1: She is sitting down and writing it. She adds two verses later as a communication to Snow to tell him where to meet. And the two verses she adds are the final two verses, which is where I told you to run so we'd both be free and wear a necklace of rope side by side with me. Now he got it. The song, the speaker in the song, was Billy Tope, and he was singing it to Lucy Gray. He'd witnessed Arlo's death, heard the birds call out his last words, begged Lucy Gray to run away with freedom with him, and when she'd rejected him, he'd wanted her to hang with him rather than get to live without him. So, yeah, that's right. fun.
0: And you had, a, you had a theory about the namings, the naming conventions.
1: Yes, I had a theory, which I would need to do a lot more research on, but uh, my theory is that... So first, names of students in the capital are connected to ancient history, specifically Greek and Roman history. So Coriolanus is the name of a Shakespeare play, uh, and the play is about a Roman general who plots with his enemies and ultimately gets murdered by them. Um, Basically, he is kicked out of the Roman army he plots with his enemies, and when he, he attacks Rome and tries to broker peace with Rome to get his power back and ends up getting murdered by the soldiers that he is guarding or leading.
0: Yeah, that, that tracks.
1: Uh, Livia Cardu, who is another one of the students, and I only bring her up specifically because uh, Snow says that he hated the way love made him feel, so he was going to marry someone that he hated, and he hates her.
0: Oh, is, is she who he marries?
1: Uh, yes, it is strongly implied it's who she who he marries. Whole, the
0: whole time I'm like, does he end like does like this can end two ways. He kills Lucy Gray, or he corrupts her to the point where she marries him and that's how he ends up with a granddaughter. Like
1: <laughs> No, it's it's I searched I did not
0: consider I, the third option of neither.
1: I searched and I could not find whether he actually marries her or not but it is implied that he does mm-hmm. uh, Livia is the name of a Roman empress who was married specifically as a political alliance and not for love uh, the heavens family is always super rich The the hall where they watch the games in is Heavensby Hall.
0: Yeah, there's like a big bust of an older Heavensby, and I couldn't pick up the name because there was somebody standing in front of the first name. Well, there's another Heavensby who's one of the other mentors.
1: Hilarious Heavensby.
0: Hilarious? His name is Hilarious?
1: His name is Hilarious. That's not that
0: funny. (laughs) I made you laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I still got it.
1: Uh, Sejanus was a Roman soldier who rose through the Praetorian Guard to become confidant to Emperor Tiberius until he was executed
0: for treason. Who knew the character name would be a spoiler? (laughs) Here's Jimmy Gonna uh, gonna Die (laughs) Gilligan. I wonder how he...
1: (laughs) I caught that and I'm not dignifying it. Fair. So my theory is that there is a split between the characters that are given Greek historical names and the characters that are given Roman historical names... The characters that are given Greek historical names are the quote-unquote good guys versus the Roman names because, like, Coriolanus, Livia. Sejanus is a good guy, but he's also real dumb. But you have, on the other hand, you've got
0: Arachne Crane. Is he a good guy? He's rich.
1: He he rejects the money, ultimately. Sejanus, oh. yeah, Sejanus does not want to be there.
0: Okay, fair.
1: His dad is the one who keeps buying his way out of things. On the Greek side of names, you've got Liz Estrada, who is... The Estrada is the play that everyone knows about the sex strike to stop war. Um, she is the... She's the mentor partner for Snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, Jessup's mentor. Arachne Crane. Arachne is the name of, um...
0: The uh, spider in the Two Towers, right?
1: Not doing the Two Towers. Yet. <laughs> Please don't make me read the walking book. Oh. Um... <laughs> So, Arachne is a Greek myth about a girl who goes up against Artemis in the art of weaving. Not Artemis, um, my god, Athena in the art of weaving and actually beats her. Uh, And so, as punishment, Athena turns her into a spider. And Arachne, of course, dies as a martyr to the cause in this, um... But that's my rough theory is that Greek names indicate good characters and Roman names indicate less good aligned characters.
0: Well, if you're listening to this still and you want to add to this theory or debunk this theory, you can find us. Our link tree is in the description. We have an email address now. We do. Soonmajorpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Blue Sky. I'm not cycling to the end. I just felt like that was a good place to plug that. That is a good
1: place to plug that.
0: Because... We still got to talk about a cast. There was a movie here.
1: There sure was a movie. Oh, sorry. One more thing. It's not explicitly stated, but I think you can infer that Snow giving the compact to Lucy Gray is where the idea of you get to take a token into the arena comes from. Because hmm. it's not cheating if you make it legal.
0: Bingo. All right. So, as we've already discussed, directed by Francis Lawrence, we've been over him. Screenplay by Michael Leslie. I'm doing this on the fly, by the way. Like I said, haven't had a real chance to do my normal research. Uh, He's also known for (laughs) the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, no. Oh, boy. And uh, Michael Arndt is the other uh, screenwriter. I think he did... Oh, he did Catching Fire. Okay. I was going to say, he did Force Awakens and Toy Story 3. We've talked about him because he did Catching Fire. And of course, based on the novel by Suzanne Collins, she was also EP. So she got some money out of this.
1: She did. And I wonder if she was like a consultant because some of the changes that are made feel like even though this movie, this book came out in 2020, 2021, it's still a long process.
0: Lucy Gray was played by Rachel Zegler, who was in West Side Story. Uh, She played Maria in the new one.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And uh, she's Snow White in the upcoming Snow White.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: my God, she is a fucking star. (laughs) She is electric on screen, especially when she sings, because she is fucking talented.
1: I have heard people compare the two versions of The Hanging Tree. The Jennifer Lawrence version is kind of like sad and melancholy and despairing, and the hers is angry.
0: The Jennifer Lawrence version is sung by somebody who doesn't like singing in public. And the Rachel Zegler one is performed by somebody who is a fucking talent and knows it. She is so fucking good. Okay. Like, she, like she's the star of this. I gotta try and say the name one more time.
1: Coriolanus?
0: Coriolanus is played by Tom Blythe, who, uh, actually, not a lot of credits before this. Biggest one is uh, Billy the Kid- Series which I believe he played Billy the Kid. Okay, he's also in the Gilded Age on HBO. He played Archie Baldwin and he played (laughs) he was in that 2010 uh, Robin Hood movie with I think it was like Gerard Butler. Do you remember this one? No, Uh, oh, sorry, Russell Crowe, the Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie.
1: Oh, Uh, yes,
0: uh, he played Feral Child. Uh, Dr. Volumnia Gall. was played by Viola Davis.
1: What was with her eye?
0: She had a... Is that not in the book? No. It must have just been character choice, because it wasn't explained, but she has one eye that looks like a fake eye. It's more, it's more brightly blue. Okay. Then the other eye is dark. Okay. And I just took it as, like, she's got a fake eye, but... She's that kind of, like, scientist. It wouldn't surprise me if it was, like, a genetically enhanced eye and she sees things a little bit differently. Uh, But Viola Davis, you may know from The Help, which is probably a future episode of this pod. Yeah. Um, Waller in all the DC movies. Yes. What's... what was his fucking name? Sorry, the cast... The cast list on IMDb is in order of appearance, which is the fucking worst. High Bottom is a big character. It was paid by a big character was played by Peter Dinklage. He is a phenomenon. He's so goddamn good in this. Like, from
1: the from the trailer, it sounds like he was doing kind of like the... <laughs> he was doing a aggressive version of what would have happened to his character in Game of Thrones.
0: I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so sure. Tigress was played by Hunter Schaefer. Uh, she's on Euphoria.
1: Oh, her, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: She was good, she didn't have a lot to do. Who am I who am I forgetting? Oh, uh Flick Flickerman. Schwartzman. Lucky Flickerman, the weatherman turned <laughs> media personality, which is hilarious that uh Caesar Flickerman's a fail son. Or a uh, sorry, a Nepo baby.
1: He's yes. And nepotism is so strong in the capital. Like,
0: I was kind of mad at first when, like, oh, hilarious... Heavens, heavens be. Heavens be, and some crane, or Arachne crane, and I'm like, oh, why did they got a Skywalker this? But also, yeah, no, nepotism is fucking, it's, nepotism's the thing in this. That is Cause actually... it's not in the districts.
1: Yeah, But in the capital, it's nepotism. This is actually kind of a complaint I have about the book, is that it it's like a bad herald. She's trying to pull too many threads too tightly together.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Flickerman was played by Jason Schwartzman. Uh, fuck, he's so funny. He's so good. He does like little... He's He introduces himself as Weatherman and Amateur Magician.
1: Yes! And he, he does, does little
0: magic tricks. Is- like he'll throw a coin in the air at the start of a segment, and then he'll catch it at the end.
1: Was Jubilee the parrot in the movie? No. Oh
0: No, there was no parrot. The only birds were the were the Jays, the Jabber um, Jays.
1: Who played Plinth?
0: Plinth. Oh, yeah. I was like, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Josh Andres Rivera, who is also in West Side Story and is the real world boyfriend of Rachel Zegler.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: They met, I think they met on that set and they are still together as far as I'm aware. I don't think they share any scenes.
1: No, they wouldn't. No,
0: they do. They yeah. definitely do in Twelve. What am I saying? They're the the scene where the he shoots the guy or he shoots the girl, and the yes, they're both they're all, they share scenes. Okay, I
1: think that's the first. Yeah, I think that's the first time that you like see them together outside of the Capitol and stuff.
0: Not in the movie, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Who else do you need to know about?
1: I think is is grandma, grandbam, Grandmama. <laughs> grandma Grandmama,
0: Grandmam. Grandmam, uh, Finiola Flanagan. Or sorry, let me try that again. Oh, this is like an Irish name. I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce this correctly. Finola. Finola Flanagan, yeah.
1: I only know that because of Dairy Girls.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: That was the name of the uh the lady that owned the chip shop.
0: Oh, that's where I recognize her from. She was in Waking Ned D- Ned Divine. What? Waking Ned Divine. Who? It's the movie it was like an Irish movie where a guy win a guy in a small town wins the lottery and then dies yes. and the town like covers it up to to take the money and all that. <laughs> yeah. Great little movie. That that is that is a gem of a movie if you've never heard of it. Waking Ned Devine from 1998. Uh she's she's been in a lot of stuff over the years, obviously. But I couldn't figure out why I recognized her. <laughs> uh any other I have to like search to find anybody on this on this list.
1: No, I think that you, I mean you hit the the major important characters. Yeah,
0: there's not there's not as many major characters as there were in the original trilogy.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of introducing people who immediately die.
0: Yeah, and that's, and that's something I struggle with uh, because of my partial face blindness. Which uh, watching movies with subtitles and Wikipedia helps so much, and I can't do that in a theater. But it's always fun watching movies like this for me. Because I'm trying to grab every name and every face, and they introduce, like, 48 fucking characters right away. Yep. More than that, because there's people that aren't involved in the games. And I'm like, okay, which of you are important, and will I remember your name when I need to? (laughs) (laughs) It's playing that fucking game. It's hard. But yeah, uh, do you recommend the book? Regardless of how it uh, ruins the original trilogy? (laughs) The original trilogy no longer exists and is incorrect now, thanks to this book.
1: <laughs> it's, if you like Suzanne Collins's writing, you will enjoy the book. I think it's a little too long. It, it kind of suffers from that thing when a writer gets really famous for writing a series and not being edited strongly enough.
0: Oh. Uh, um, she had a little bit of a blind check on this one from the publisher?
1: I think so. I do respect that she said that she wasn't going to... Because she could have just kept writing sequels and prequels and everything. So I do respect that she's like, I'm not going to write it until I have a story that I want to tell. I mean, she had
0: 73 Hunger Games that she could have written about.
1: You know, honestly, I would have loved Phoenix Hunger Games.
0: I, like... I wouldn't have minded... Like, I get you you want to do the one with snow with a recognizable character you want to tell his story you want a Star Wars episode won it
1: or right? like hey, Niche, like
0: give the me, quarter quell give me like the thirty second hunger games just new characters we don't know and tell me a self-contained story around that games
1: or fuck give me the first quarter quell when you introduce oh by the way since it's been twenty five years fuck y'all here's a brand new rule the one where they have to vote
0: like in the deleted scene from Catching Fire, there's like faults with hundreds of quarter quell things. Yeah, they barely made it past ten. What were they going to do with all those? Like, I guess I'll burn them. Going to read them for fun? Like, just well, like...
1: he could also have written those at twenty five. He or definitely had could them have written at yeah. twenty five.
0: I think it was stated that they were like in one of them that they were written when the charter was written to do the Hunger Games, which if that
1: comes from his father and Dean Highbottom, and they
0: were both drunk. Good point. Good point. But, but yeah. I
1: think, I think it would have been fascinating to, to see the first quarter quell when he's like, hey, or give us the 11th Hunger Games when he's still trying to solidify his power and Mags Flanagan is like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, if
0: we had that instead of this. Yeah. I and mean, you can't even hint about Lucy Gray and their relationship and his prefects island 12. Yeah but like have him coming up and cuz he's the head is he the head games master or is he He is he's working with He's working with Gaul on the 11th? Yes. Yeah, like have that story.
1: He's basically her understudy.
0: Or or do like the 15th where he's like it's like his first as head game master or something like that.
1: Yeah, cuz it would And start there. Because I think it would be interesting to have a book from Mags' point of view. Because, like, she is the first proper victor of, like, the snow era. Mm-hmm. And she also, because, you know, 1, 2, and 4 are the careers. And we're introduced to her as this sweet old lady that protects Annie and Finnick. But she successfully trained multiple tributes to win in those games. Yeah, She must be... Kind of bloodthirsty and kind of ruthless. And we meet if, her as a toothless old lady.
0: I wonder if she knows Coral, because Coral was like that. The yeah, Coral, was like head of the, the gang.
1: Yeah. And also, uh just another little random fun fact, Mags and Snow and Tigress are the only characters we meet from the original trilogy that were alive prior to the Hunger Games. Yeah. Because they were, they would have been six.
0: Mm-hmm. So as for the movie... It's not as good as the Mocking films or Catching Fire. I think Catching Fire might have been my favorite. Ignore my Letterboxd reviews. I might have like overweighed Mocking Jay because I was in a I was in a state. <laughs> as a standalone, I think it's pretty good. It's long, it's over two and a half hours, but it's paced well. The the games themselves are, are well told, like they are well shown. Uh like I said, Rachel Zegler is a joy to watch on screen. She's so watchable. She's so energetic. She's so charismatic. There's so much going on behind her eyes and in her smile and in her voice, especially when she sings. Could not have cast anyone better than that. I'm not going to lie to you. When he appeared, when Snow appeared on the trailer, you went, ugh. (laughs) I thought he was hot. (laughs) And then he shaves his head and he's like Eminem. (laughs) still did it for me. Like the casting is like Peter Dinklage is great, Viola Davis is great, Jason Schwartzman's hilarious in this. Like there's not the weakness in the movie is the story. And there's like some loose ends that aren't quite or aren't quite tied as neatly. There's some bit, bits that aren't told as clearly as they could be. And that's kind of where it falls off a little bit for me. And then like we talked about with how it affects how we view or how the um, characters act in the original trilogy, specifically Snow and his relationship to District 12. Although I'm curious how much of this was in Suzanne's head as she was writing the originals. Yeah. Did she already have some of this backstory pocketed for the future or at least just to add some color? did she need it when she was writing them and how much of it did uh, Donald Sutherland bring when he came onto the role and
1: it really feels like Donald Sutherland expanded like Donald. the i feel like the movies are where this snow comes from
0: yeah cuz they even used that line from the from mockingjay in the trailer for this one it's the things you love that hurt you the most yeah and now we understand where that came from. Yes. And it's it's fascinating that one line from Mockingjay and a throwaway from The Hunger Games about some girl. She was able to craft this out of it. And it's... As a standalone, it's not bad. I, I enjoyed my time at the movie. It's just... It's not as good, but it's still... It's still quality. The elements are still there, so...
1: Yeah, it's like... I think the reason I'm so disappointed is that the original trilogy was so strong,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this is like let's be real—it's like a seven or an eight. But when your original trilogy was a was an eleven on a scale of ten, you're gonna be a little disappointed.
0: Yeah, if you're looking at my letterbox, when the other ones get fours and fours and a half, and this one gets a three and a half, it's not—it's still better than a lot of the trash I watch. Yes. So
1: you do watch some trash.
0: Speaking of watching trash, let's talk about what we're going to do on our next episode.
1: I'm sorry, I'm scrolling through some of the letterbox re- movie letterbox reviews for this movie. Oh God! Caught myself getting upset when the bad guy I know is bad turns out to be bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- and I think that's that's part of what took it away from me is I know how he ends up. Although I know he ends up president, so the stakes aren't there.
1: The thing is, a corruption arc is one of my favorite things. But, like, part, but
0: you- part of his corruption arc is, the like, the life and death stuff when he's in 12 and he's worried about getting roped into the rebellion plot. Yeah. I know he's not going to die because I know how he dies is not for another 65 years. Yeah. So, it's,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Sejanus wanted to kiss Coriolanus so hard.
0: But anyway, our next episode... Yes, we're gonna stay on this train of uh, upcoming movies there's a movie coming out in a few weeks that we're not gonna cover but it is a prequel to a classic 70's movie and a mid aughts movie based I, on a Roald doll novel
1: I wish you could see the disgust on my face listeners you don't
0: have to watch Johnny Depp no, but you got to read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I sure do.
1: Let's see how... F- Should I have an anti-Semitism counter, or...?
0: We're going to have to bring out the, um... we we'll have to bring out the sexual predator alarm, though. <laughs> Probably multiple times.
1: Oh, God, Gene Wilder wasn't a sexual predator, was he? I
0: think he was okay, but I don't know what those kids in that movie got up to when they're... Those oh, boomer no. kids... <laughs>
1: Oh, no! <laughs>
0: there's a non-zero chance one of the kids from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was in, like, Trump's cabinet.
1: <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> oh,
0: there's, there's gotta be some QAnon chuds. Oh, you're right. Oh, God. Well, we'll talk about that in two weeks. Until then, uh, our link tree is in the description. Uh, link tr.ee slash soon major pod.
1: If you have questions, comments, you want to shoot us an email, you can do that. You can suggest things. Please, for the love of God, suggest things.
0: <laughs> we're, we're, we're working out the uh, schedule for the start of 2024. Uh, we want to do some wintry movies and we want to do some uh, coming of age stuff. Yay. So if you have any suggestions for wintry or coming of age, we're going to iron out our schedule for the first quarter of 2024 in the coming weeks So, send some suggestions our way. Until then, I'm going to go watch the uh, disaster piece that will be the Las Vegas Grand Prix.
1: I'm going to go play Sims.
0: That's my girl.